HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. It's a butter egg made from plants. Bring more customers in your doors with Just Egg. Start with a free sample at ju.st hrn. This week on Meet and 3, we rethink surplus by exploring how innovators are promoting sharing mindsets and responding to excess in creative ways. The whole life cycle of food would be the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind China and the United States if it were a country. You know, in the age of COVID, where a lot of those institutional processors did grind to a halt and a lot of farms had to dump milk in Pennsylvania, even while supermarket cases were, were bare, the organic market stayed strong. They source all these ingredients, they do all of this work, and then they just boil it for a few minutes and then they throw it away. Tune in to Meet and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. As we're taping opening soon, this chilly March morning, we've just passed the one-year anniversary since the declaration of this pandemic, the start of shutdowns, and for most, the switch into survival mode. While many businesses, chefs, cooks, and anyone for that matter, have sought to survive, some have found a way to thrive, to go beyond, not just in business, but also in social good. The hustle has been real for most of us, fits and starts, iteration after iteration. Our guest today has perhaps out-hustled them all while raising millions for social justice causes. It's no surprise to us as we met today's guest several years ago in our Tillett store and her vibe exudes genuine care and both personal and community success. We're very excited today to welcome executive pastry chef Paola Velez. In the past year, Paola began a new role as the executive pastry chef at famed DC restaurants, The Compass, Rose, and Maidan. She also co-founded Bakers Against Racism, which raised over $2 million for causes related to Black Lives Matter. And she started not one, but two pop-ups, Dona Dona and La Bodega Bakery inside Compass Rose. You've been busy. How are you? I'm tired just reading that. Hmm. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a wild ride for sure. I just tried to keep busy. I guess I like making myself busy. <laughs> you you mm. succeeded at that, if that was the goal. <laughs> Score. <laughs> Score. You you did. You won. Goals. Um, so you had a busy year. Catch us up on, on all the things. Yeah, it's so awkward to like be here a year later and seeing like everything that I've been able to accomplish during a pandemic, you know, it's not 
like I, it's not lost on me the impact of everything that's happened but in the kitchen we're kind of conditioned to always be busy always be working moving you know and when the pandemic first hit it was just like jarring I also found out that I was a semi-finalist for the James Beard Foundation mm-hmm. and I was like uh <laughs> what <laughs> you know what I mean like if you guys know me and you know that I'm just like a goofy like kid from the Bronx you know what I mean so I was like oh, <laughs> yeah what is happening <laughs> you know so I didn't even have time to process it and then I was just angry you know I was just mad that our industry was going through something like this again because I started um my culinary journey like 2008 and if you remember anything about 2008 it was like everything mm-hmm. just disappeared overnight you know and mm-hmm. I just felt upset that we had so many years to course correct and then we didn't and everything like I always said that um restaurants mostly were trying to keep the doors open and then last year the doors fell off the hinges like flew off the hinges you know (laughs) so we were like what the freak is this you know so I don't know it's just like I'm grateful though that I was able to kind of have like the presence of mind to kind of do the first pop-up Doña Dona, which was really so that I didn't get lazy in the kitchen. I didn't collect any money from that. And I donated it back to the staff that was hosting me in their space. And then to Ayuda DC, an organization that helps immigrant workers, right? So that kind of made me fulfilled because I was just kind of like empty, you know? Um, Then after doing that for a whole month, I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I could teach others how to do what I did because what I raised wasn't a lot, you know? Um, I was only one person. I was making the dough right before the pop-up. My back was hurting immensely. And (laughs) I just kind of like, was like, is this enough, you know? And Chef Willa had reached out and was like, hey, we can pop up again for George Floyd. And I was like, is it enough, you know? I don't think it, it is. So I was like, maybe I can teach others give them the tools to do exactly what I did for a month, you know, with Doña Dona and exactly what I set out to do. It surpassed my expectations and goals. Like I, you don't like aim to be viral, you know, usually like if you end up viral, it's like for something silly, but Mm -hmm. this was bigger than I could ever imagine. And it taught me so much about how caring about other people and the power of the collective really can take us all a long way as humans. I mean, I think that's what hospitality at its core is all about, is taking care of other people and making a really big impact, which you you clearly hit that goal for sure and inspired so many people to get out there and bake. I mean, what an amazing, what a really amazing cause and and way to really motivate people. Um, It's awesome. What's next for Bakers Against Racism? Are you guys still doing, you know, doing the the activations and, and whatnot, or are you sort of playing low for a little while? The uh, bakers actually haven't stopped baking. So the beauty of Bakers Against Racism isn't that there's like this one person champion, like championing this cause, right? It's like Mm -hmm. bakers have the autonomy to go and do whatever it is that they believe in, right? If they want to bake every weekend, they have the power to do that, you know, because they have the resources and the tools, right? We we weren't giving people the fish. We were teaching them how to fish, right? And Mm -hmm. they, like London Bakers just activated. Richmond is planning their own, like their uh, spring bake sale. Uh, Seattle just activated again. And like, I think I saw that um, Texas 
you know, we, we actually um, were keeping in contact with the bakers in Texas and we were like, are you okay? What's happening over there? You know, and they were like, thank you so much for reaching out. So I feel like as Bakers Against Racism kind of evolves, people are taking this cause and using it as it was intended, right? It wasn't just supposed to be mm-hmm. a one-time thing where we pat ourselves on the back and we're like, look at what we did, you know? It's mm-hmm. like, please, like, keep doing this. Like, keep baking. And if you have the resources to do so, keep, like, inspiring others to join the cause. And it's just amazing what we can do together, you know? I'm like, my eyes are welling up. It is really, it is a really beautiful thing that, that you all have started. And it's like such a living, breathing organism that is just going to keep giving back. It's amazing. Um so beyond just starting the world's largest bake sale, that is the gift that keeps on giving, you also got a new job during this time. I did. That was kind of crazy. It wasn't even supposed to be like, I was just asking Rose for advice because I was like, uh, mm. I don't know what's happening at my job currently. Um, and then I don't know what's going to happen in my career. Like, is this it? Like, did I do all of this to get like a, like a James Beard nomination? And I was like, okay. Bye, everyone. You know? (laughs) So so I I was like, what do I do next? Like, what do I, what's the end game? You know? And Rose was like, oh, come and do some pastries here. We don't have a dessert program. So I've been doing that. But in order to kind of like bring on my pastry sous, um, I had to figure out a creative way to bring in income, right? Um, Takeout back then was like very limited for everyone across the board. Like, it, it just didn't... Mm-hmm. I, I felt so bad when I saw, like, um, the posts and, like, the articles encouraging diners to be like, go support the restaurant industry. I was like, if you don't have a million dollars, what you gonna do, yeah. you know? And, like, it, it was, like, a million dollars for one restaurant, right? And there was, like, hundreds of thousands of restaurants in need and, and shuttering every day, you know? It was heartbreaking. But I was like if I can try my hardest, right, to at least sustain these two young ladies, then they can sustain me as I toggle between two restaurants, you know? Um, And that's exactly what happened. But, you know, La Bodega Bakery is like, it was created not because we wanted to make a bakery, but because we wanted to sustain two employees, you know? And that is like, everybody's like, oh, what? That's It wasn't because you were trying to you know, show off your skills in the bakery. I was like, no, that's not, that's not my style. But I just want to make sure that at least these two young ladies that have been so committed to me, I could be committed to them. You know what I mean? It seems like, um, Paola, that, that it's pretty cool that the Rose team has given you a lot of freedom and a lot of support. Can you tell us a little bit about how that shook down? Or was it just that they, you know, were 100% you know, anything for Paolo kind of thing. Like, it's pretty awesome that you were able to, you know, to build this and bring your own people in and and all that. Yeah, it was, um, so so it's, like, really funny because both kitchens are really small. So we, um, when we had the dining room at Compass Rose available, we kind of, like, actually transformed that space into, like, this, like, storage unit for all things pastry. And, um... I was really, it's really easy for me to like create concepts and like menu development and do stuff like that. So it was just like really easy off the tongue. Like I was just like, okay, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to set it up. And I'm a big, um, like 
sneaker kind of like collector. And um, I, I don't get any of the drops anymore because I'm not a bot. <laughs> but, you know, but um, I, I watch and I, I studied how they launch things. And I was like, oh, why don't we apply that to food, you know? And um, once sort I did, like it was really, mentality of it. Right. And, and, you know, it's like limited edition, you know, you have to come and pre-order right. or else in a few weeks it's gone. You know, there's people that email me and like DM me all the time. They're like, please bring this back. And I'm like, you should have ordered when it was here, you know? And <laughs> it's we do kind that too. And people get mad at us. Yeah. But also it's like, it keeps us creating. You know, all of us right. keep creating. And people want, yeah, everybody wants something unique and special and like to do that, to be able to offer that in food. That's a, that's a, great, yeah. a great idea. And I think also it kind of like veers us away of like from that mentality that the customer is always right, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it could be really, um, what's the word I want to use without using something that's going to get me like trolled. Um <laughs> I think I think that we're both people, customers are people, and then the service staff, we're people too, right? And we are not like here at the whim and beck and call of customers, right? Um, we both need respect. Yeah, and your job as a chef is to surprise and delight your guest, whether or not they right. know they wanted to be surprised and delighted, you know? Right. right. And I think it's like, like, I'm not trying to say like, I'm like being snooty or mean to customers. Of course not, right? Like that's not my thing. Also, like if you're a chef who's being mean to customers, then maybe like this isn't for you, you know? But I think also like just having them trust us again, I think a lot of people just wanted their routine and their normal day-to-day, right? And we were just there like, I don't want to make this, but it it pays the bills. So let me keep making this, right? Mm -hmm. But now the pandemic kind of like made us want to veer from the the routine, from the normal, right? And people love it. People love when I, I drop a new menu and they're like, what is that? You know, and mm-hmm. they get sad when they can't get something. And sometimes I bring it back. Like if enough people say something, right? Then I'll be like, okay. But it's like a secret <laughs> menu, right? Mm-hmm. But I think kind of like introducing that respect for our, you know, back of the house, front of the house workers from the customer's point of view is pivotal to the changing of the culinary industry. How we move forward is how we respect our staff. You know, that goes down to like the minimum wage talk that goes to tipping that goes just respect people, you know, and I don't know, like this new model kind of gives me kind of all the control. I'm like, I can change it whenever I want to. And then people are like spooked. So they run to like the computer and they order. And I don't do it like to be mean. I just do it because I'm like, I'm running out of something. And this just went up in price. You know, Mm -hmm. this ingredient is now hard to source because it was coming from overseas, you know. So stuff like that is giving us like the um, dexterity or the flexibility to be able to keep creating with so many limitations. I love it. You're the hype, you're the you're the pastry hype beast. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Shall we like trademark that? No, just like, maybe. I think it should be like the sub tagline for La Bodega. Go. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Supreme collaboration is next. Can't wait for oh, no. Oh my god, I oh, would no. die. I would definitely be first in line for that. I would I <laughs> would, would there would be like three hundred people that were there like 
three days before camping out for that. Oh my god. We're putting out into the universe. Supreme, can you hear us? (laughs) (laughs) They're like cease and desist. I'm like, oh my God, no. (laughs) I'm dead. Um, I love it so much. So so now you're basically running three different concepts. Tell us a little bit about how you're how that's how that's working and how you're managing all of that. So um for like my dad, it's like building something that will outlast me, right? Um, when you build a pastry program, you're not just building it so that it like carries your name and then when you disappear, the pastry program disappears, right? Um, you have to kind of build like these iconic desserts and things that people are going to be like, whoa, I know I can always find it at my den. And I'm trying my, my hardest to like shift how we produce desserts and how people know where to find it, you know, like putting a little spin on a cultural classic is something that always kind of like will draw people to be like, oh my gosh, I want to eat that every single time I come here. And they know that that's something that's only offered for now at Madan, right? Um, Like I I make like a chocolate canefe, right? And most of the time people don't know canefe more than it's just like saffron and honey and, and like a little bit of like orange blossom or lemon if you're really kind of like adventurous um and I tried to like recreate like cocoa puffs in this like iconic middle eastern dessert you know um and the whole community is like wow you know like they just wouldn't have ever thought about it that way but I've seen like chocolate baklava already in like I, before I started working, I, I went through like a tour of all the bakeries here, like Middle Eastern mm-hmm. bakeries um, in the DMV area. I ate so much honey. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm already probably, sweet enough. I love it. I'm like, oh my God, so much honey. Um, but I kind of like went, like I, I try to approach desserts that aren't a part of my culture um, with the utmost respect. And I want to see how it's made. Um by a actual person of that descent first before I start to try to like manipulate it in a weird way, you know? And it's, it was so much fun to kind of like go through each like style, you know, like Lebanese is not the same as like Palestinian baklava. So even those like nuances, you know, one's a little more drier, the other one's like Mm. dense, but airy. And you're just like, how, what the freak, you know? And it's, like how the same dessert is so different across that whole diaspora, right? And when I came into like Maidan, it's like, you don't think, you don't want to think of like that restaurant as like super hyper-traditional, right? It's like whimsical. You go in and you're like transported. Right now we have our alleyway Mm -hmm. and it looks like a bazaar, you know? And that's where people eat outside. But when you used to go, I used to frequent my dad all the time before the pandemic. And you used to go through these green doors and like you are met with this raging fire, right? And you walk through, um, you're seeing all the chefs kind of like moving and hustling and bustling. And then you go upstairs and you go sit at the bar and you're transported. You're not in DC anymore, you know? So when I think about these desserts, I want people to feel nostalgia and I want people to feel excitement. Even if we're still all stuck in the same place and we can't really travel, I want them to travel 
through their desserts, you know? I love that. I think people appreciate that given that nobody's gone anywhere for 12 months. I know. How, how do you take us to the beach, Paolo? <laughs> I need uh, to go to the beach. <laughs> I actually, I I was uh, just reposted it, but we, right before, I think it was like a year a year, no, two years ago now, right? Um, we did like the best of Washingtonian kind of like event. And this is like all these restaurants and like we're in like the National Building Museum and the theme was under the sea. So mm-hmm. Deandra and I, we made like coral out of sugar and we hand painted like chocolate coconut shells and we filled it with like spirulina mousse and pineapple and coconut. And then Deandra made sand, edible sand. And yeah. like we we like had all these other like supporting desserts made out of coconut. And I think if you just lay on that edible sand, you might be at the beach. I like it. I like it. And then you can eat the sand after. Exactly. <laughs> Better. Win-win. Win-win. We, I, we noticed with La Bodega, because we ordered some stuff for ourselves, that you're shipping. So tell us a little bit about, and I noticed that a lot of people are using like third-party services, but you guys set up your own, Your it looks like your own like Shopify store, which I think would be really interesting for our, our listeners to hear how, how that's going and how, why you went that route, maybe. I think we just, we're like, all of us were kind of like, um, hands-on right so mm-hmm. I don't even think we thought about going to like a third party like we were just like okay we're gonna ship stuff out because people are asking for it so mm-hmm. let's do it you know and then we just like set up a Shopify account it was over Thanksgiving too like we built up all this information and then like Thanksgiving was like the do or die day so we were on like we were all eating like turkey at our own respective homes and like we're on the computer and we're like, no, we need to adjust this and the bodega cat needs to go over there. <laughs> and then we were like, okay, so if we offer the two day flat rate, then we know that that product is going to like go to where it needs to go within two days, which then extends their shelf life, the product shelf life um, from the original three weeks. And it'll be like, two weeks in a few days, right? So people can eat this or they can enjoy it in two weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. And we kind of just like are learning as we go, but we haven't made big mistakes yet. The only time that I feel like we we wish that we would have like looked at other sh- um, shipping avenues what it was like during the Christmas season, we were like, holy moly, what the heck is uh, happening? I mean, we've had an e-commerce business for eight years and we were like, holy moly, what the F is happening during this right. Christmas season? Right. So. Well, the two day, yeah, like the two day shipping became like two weeks, which became right. like, if you get it, you get it, which became yeah. like, hopefully nobody steals it. Like, you're like, oh my I God. I still have, I have PTSD from, uh, right. from, the, from the shipping this uh, holiday season. <laughs> So thank you to all of our customers who ordered. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, so there's a shipping manager. One, it's really like, um, really like four of us that do this, right? Like, it seems like there's a bigger team at work, but like Joey and I, we handle all customer-facing interactions, you know? Every now and then I might sign off as Joey, um, but, <laughs> but Joey... Ego. No, no, it's a real guy. He's a really <laughs> awesome guy. <laughs> He's you know, Joey is like our shipping's manager, and he has gotten everything down to a T, streamlined. He also walks every individual uh, package to the uh, post office every Monday, 
which I'm like, they can come and pick it up. And he's like, no, I want to guarantee that it went Make got sure to where there. it needed. Yeah. And I'm like, that's commitment, you know? Um, but we bake everything a day before it ships out. So Deanna, Nikki, and I, we like cryovac everything. We bake everything. Everything is like a, such a mad dash. And we're like, ah, you know? So that's why we have caps on everything. Because it's like the freshest product that we can absolutely think of making. And then we cryovac it to extend the, the shelf life, but also to kind of preserve it. If like, let's say somebody in the postal service is having a bad day and they <laughs> might intentionally drop something, your cake is not going to just bust open, right? Mm-hmm. So we integrated all these like, like little like costs that help extend the product's like safety when it gets somewhere, you know? Um, but really it's like a four person operation and that is just one part of the bodega's um, service. You know, the other one is the pickup locally. Um, and it's kind of funny because people see us and they see us always moving, which is always the case. But in a day, we can be prepping for La Bodega and Compass Rose and Maiden. And like it, everything is kind of like harmonious. And it's so weird to have so many different flavors in the kitchen at once. But now I don't know, uh, like, my day-to-day without those scents in my life, you know? I wish you could bottle it. It sounds like it smells amazing. I can only it imagine. It does. It does. <laughs> how does it, how do you see Paola with um, indoor dining, you know, increasing? We're at 50% in New York. I'm not sure what DC is. And, and things sort of, maybe not going back to what it was, but going to something new. How do you, how do you see like all of these things? Is it just something where you can bring more team in to, to build? Do you need, will you need more space on the side for La Bodega once the kitchen is like going nuts with Maidan and, and the other stuff? Yes, yes. And yes. <laughs> so, um, there's, I don't think that there's a world where we can continue. We're pushing out hundreds of desserts for one day. Um, and we do like, we did split it up. So now Deandra is like it, her home base is my dad, Nikki and I we're at uh, compass Rose and La Bodega. And then whenever the week is finished on Saturday, Deandra runs over to compass Rose and like we crank out all of the donuts and all of the buns. We're really learning how to streamline for sure. Um, but I think as the weather gets nicer, if, any like if it's any indication of what happened these last two weeks with this really nice weather we're in for a very wild ride i'm stressed already you know yeah (laughs) do you see like uh is there going to be retail access for la bodega or we don't know yet you know i feel like when i created la bodega i wanted it to be a sustainable bakery right i don't i didn't want desserts to just sit there so like our waste is is nominal. Like there's just not a lot of waste. If we do see any type of waste, we're turning it into bread pudding. We're trying to incorporate it back into the menus so that there's almost zero waste to everything that we are producing. Um, so that pre-order model, you know, you, you kind of like don't anticipate that being in a bakery setting. Right. Because like you walk into a bakery and it's just like baked goods are like, falling out of the ceiling and like (laughs) you're just like why is there so much you know and theoretically like that's why bakeries might have not 
made a lot of profit because you have to sell your baked goods at a really low rate. And then you're wasting almost like a quarter of all of your product daily. So that's labor. Nothing is good the that next day. Yeah. A quarter. Wow. I didn't realize it was that high. And, you know, there are so many, it's so funny because people are like, oh, well, then just donate to a soup kitchen. Well, there's laws against that. Yeah. You know, and you have to figure out how to get insurance on these baked goods in case somebody gets sick. You know, it's like capitalism is such a weird, interesting thing, right? Do you have some sort of insurance for the stuff that is shipped out? Do you have to do that? We do. Yes, we do. Mm. We have... um, we have called? it under Compass Rose. So it's just li- okay. liability insurance. Okay. Um, and then, because La Bodega isn't its own uh, LLC or entity, it's actually just a part of Compass Rose. It's okay. another service component. Uh, but we built it that way on purpose in case that if, you know, there was um, no traction or it wasn't successful as it is right now, you know, we can just let it go and it could go to La Bodega Graveyard, you know. But that did not happen. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> no, no. We've actually had to slim down. We used to do three days of La Bodega, and now we only do one because we make the same as if we were doing three same days volume. of service. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's insane, actually. I don't know. The ladies are like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I'm sorry. Let me roll some bones. Roll them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But, but we, we keep, like, moving and pushing. And at this point, you know what I mean? Like, we could have still been all in our houses waiting for somebody to hire us, right? There, right. Like, if you look on Indeed, there are no pastry chef jobs, you know? So we are creating a space for ourselves, you know, within the constructs of these businesses, right? Um, and then we hope that once the pandemic is over, that it blossoms into something more. But right now, it's really, uh, it's not, um, like, the the race isn't to make a ton of profit, right? It's just building the foundation, right? Establishing who we are, and then um, keep, like, slowly building until we understand what the new normal is going to be, you know? Yeah, it's funny. It's like, you know, I think this theme has been coming up a lot in the episodes we've recorded during COVID. It's like everybody used to have projections and used to plan three to five years in advance. And now it's just like, let's figure out how to survive and be comfortable planning and planting seeds for the next month, two to three months, whatever. Um, So it's, you know, I think it's people are just getting comfortable with short-term planning, which I think it's been a good exercise for, for all of us. This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. Just Egg is now the fastest growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based customers into your doors with easy to use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st hrn. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free. 
head to ju.st hrn. Just Egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu. It's available as a liquid scramble, great for omelets, frittatas, stir-fries, and French toast. There's also frozen, pre-baked, folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads. Chef Jose Andres called Just Egg mind-blowing, and Bon Appetit says, so good I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest-growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st hrn. All right, so let's go lightning round with just our, so these are going to be quick questions, but meant to be like one to two word responses. Um, I'll kick it off. What's your favorite treat from La Bodega? Oh, man. Uh, it's kind of unfair. Ask me like to pick your favorite child, but here we are. We all know we have one. <laughs> so we made, we made um, this like very short run of, um, Thai tea and lemon curd cake slices, like um, just like sheet cake. And it had like a Thai uh, tea buttercream, but the lemon curd was just so bright. Um, I don't know. Like it's my favorite. Like I just ate it all the time. Um, (laughs) I've had breakfast yet. Now I want cake for breakfast. (laughs) Um, Paolo, what's the best selling treat? All of them. They always sell out. I, I try to um, post about our sellout early. Like if it's like, after, if it's, we open at 11 and if it's noon, then I'll try to post it right away. But there's never a day where we're like, oh, oops, I guess we have 200 pieces of this. Dessert. No, there's just like one leftover and the server's like, give me. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, people are, yeah, people are elbowing each other to get to the dessert. I love it. Is there yeah, one they, of these like limited edition ones that people just keep saying you, you've got to bring this back? Oh, the ube donuts. Yeah. Okay. Mm, ube that, donuts. We, we had like ube pastry cream. Um, and then there was like a, a bright purple ube glaze. The dough is actually uh, ube flavored as well. And like our donuts are like, Eater or DC just wrote about them. And they're just like, if you think that paying $5 for a donut is a lot of money, well, <laughs> it isn't when you see the size of this donut, like I have a really small hand and I, when I show (laughs) guests a picture of the donut, they're like, Oh my God, that's your hand. I'm like, this is my hand in real life. And that's the donut (laughs) in the picture. So we love going big or going home. Yeah. I I love that. Will it come back? I've brought it back twice already. Okay. I don't know. Three times a charm. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. People are kind of like, knocking on our door like please bring the ube donuts back you know (laughs) i mean but this is the good thing about the you know the sort of hype beast model that we've been talking about is the sustainability aspect is real and we see that with our clothes too it's like if you make a limited run you can gauge demand and you ensure you're not sitting on product that is going to go into a landfill or you know just be wasted but also like it creates real buzz and, and demand for people who who want something. So I think yeah. it's, it's, it's a great model. It also gives people something to look forward to. You know, something I know I've been on yeah. the, I've been on the, um, the flip side of your drops. Right. And I'm looking and I'm like, I can't wait, you know? And mm-hmm. it just makes people happy to know that they landed something that was like not available to everyone, you know, it makes yep. it special. And then it makes that experience more, um, more personal you know 
a lot of people yeah. like it's just so much fun to see all the tags and all like the people kind of like telling us how these donuts like made them feel something you know and you, you just sit there and you're just like my desserts are doing this during a pandemic you know it's special <laughs> you know what i mean it's special to me at least jen next question next question okay First word that comes to mind when you guys tallied the original funds from Bakers Against Racism? Uh, cuss words. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh. shit. Holy yeah, I was shit. like, oh my God, oh my God. Because like we were, we were tallying it up and I was just like, uh, I'm so grateful that we asked everybody to donate directly to the organizations. That's all I thought about at first. Because I was like, who has this type of tax money, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but it was just so, it was crazy. Like, it just, because it was only like, um, like a couple of thousand of us, right? Like, you would think like, oh, this had to be such a big group of people. No, it was just like a like few hubs around the world. And we were just like cranking it out. I did have to do a lot of currency exchange because mm-hmm. I was like, What's like a Canadian dollar? I don't know, you know, um, and like euros are valued more, you know. So it was kind of interesting to see everything kind of like being updated on this like janky Google Drive. And I was like praying that it wouldn't corrupt. I was like, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, like we um, we didn't do it um, to kind of tally it. Like I only tallied because people were curious. People were like, tell us how much we raised, tell us how much we raised. Uh, But, you know, every activation since, we've kind of kept a a rough estimate of what is happening. If people want to put it in the, like, the um, tracker, they can. But I know that there's just so many more bakers that are are participating, so many more restaurants. You know, you, you see, like, fine dining restaurants doing this. Like, I know that Union Square right now, they're doing one, you know. Uh, in New York, right? So, like, is it Union Square Hospitality, right? Yeah. All of their um, chefs, all the pastry chefs are making a dessert for this. And I'm like, how how do you even, like, quantify all of this, right? So we've raised over $2 million now, right? Like, it just keeps, like, coming up and up and up. And I'm like, this is insane. This is insanity. There's also, yeah. And there's, there's no way to... like to put a value on the amount of goodwill it's created either right it's not like we half of it is like yeah it's cool to know but also it's like the people who are working in silence are the ones that are like warming my heart the most you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like because they're just doing it because they want to do this for black lives you know it's it's amazing all right um Best piece of advice for young chefs that are working their way up the ladder, Paula, or who are on Indeed and there are no jobs? What do you tell people right now? Um, be patient. You know, you don't want to walk into a job that might not be ready for you. Um, that could build a lot of resentment, you know, especially if you um, are still able to collect unemployment. Start learning. YouTube University is it, you know, Um there's nothing wrong with like practicing your skills. That's how I learned how to bake. Like I started off savory, you know, and then I just kept practicing and looking at other people's videos and like seeing techniques and then putting like that technique into like real life and like applying it to my day to day. 
YouTube University. Like, I love it. <laughs> but also, <laughs> if you're like an aspiring chef, like if you don't just want to be a cook, right? Um, I think they need to learn how to food cost, you know? Like the, the biggest thing that I, I was able to do with La Bodega is like keep my costs low enough to be able to sustain DeAndre and Nikki's very high salary because I value them as human beings, you know? And all of these costs, it seems like La Bodega is like very expensive, but we're thinking about, you know, packaging. We're thinking about like the fees that are on top. We're thinking about labor. We're thinking about even like how it, what we earn integrates into servers like pay, you know? So all of that, if you can start practicing while there's no pressure, you know, if you're a young cook, learn how to food cost. That's like your biggest tool, more than nice skills, more than making like all the five mother sauces. Right. That's really good advice. Very good advice. Um, and I think it's something that not every group necessarily teaches everyone, you know, until you're sort of farther up the ladder. So to start learning it, you know, early on in your career is really good advice. Well, it's never going to be offered to you too. I remember when we right. had Steven Satterfield and talked about this, it's like, you got to ask questions. You have to push and get those answers. And would you agree with that, Paula? I absolutely agree. You know, like I still do everything um, analog, which is insane. Like all the chefs in DC, they're like, you're insane. And I'm like, I need to know what the scent is on this product. I need to know it down to the very scent, you know? And I do it because it keeps me on my toes. And then if I see that a vendor gives me something, I'm like, why did this change? This is off by $5, you know? And people think that that doesn't matter, but it matters so much, especially during a pandemic. But I don't know. I just kept, I kept working on it. I was a little bit better at math than most, um, but I just used Google um, folders or Excel and then like, basic simple math you know if you if you know how to divide and multiply you'll be okay you know and then if you don't know google it (laughs) youtube (laughs) university somebody will show you all right last lightning round question asking for a friend or maybe our four-year-old daughter when will you start shipping the donuts oh i don't know (laughs) can a donut make it through the through travel time that's a tough one right I feel like I would have to deconstruct it. Yeah, or maybe do like a cake donut version. Yeah, do you do cake or yeast, Bella, or both? I do both, but um, so far, like all of DC is looking for like my giant yeast donuts. Yeast tea. But I don't know. Like I think if I were to ship donuts, I think it would have to be like a do-it-yourself, like building experience which I think it's fun and then we would have to figure out a way to maintain the freshness of the donut right because like donuts get stale a day later so imagine it's like two days after shipping I don't know or maybe there's like a third-party app that wants to help and then we'll figure it out that way can't put a couple of those little like weird packages that come in those little packets of (laughs) fresh fresh packets whatever that thing is yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot more science to it. I think there would have to be, like, a change in how I do... Like, everything is pretty fresh that I, I use, like, fresh ingredients. Um, but I think 
we would have to use a little bit of like molecular science and like Crisco to kind of extend some shelf life. And I, I think it would be easier if you just did a like a Brooklyn outpost, Paula. So yeah, whenever you're ready, open a store. Whenever you're ready, we're here. We're here for it. We'll be the first. To, People the first keep asking me to pop up in New Do York, it. so maybe come back. Come. Um, <laughs> that would be. That'd be great. I mean, it's. I was actually thinking the other day. It was you were one of the last customers that came through the door. I think before everything shut down in New York. Yeah, because you I were up like, here for Chopped. I remember you and Hector coming. Yeah. Like, oh, that chopped episode. Yeah. Oh, that chopped <laughs> episode. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. I think uh, let's move on to some opening soon announcements. Um, I'll I'll start while you think of anybody you want to shout out. Um, I just I do want to mention it's March sixteenth and last uh, last Thursday, Biden signed into law the American Rescue Plan and twenty eight point six billion um, grant program for restaurants. Uh, so if you don't know, definitely, definitely go to IRC and sign up for their emails because they'll be telling you about how to apply, um, get a SAM.gov account because that will be the vehicle that is distributing the grants and get ready for it. So it's really, really exciting news for the industry. Um, and then the other one I wanted to shout out who slid into our DMs. So thank you, Helm Portland. A lovely oyster bar is opening this Friday, 319. Paula, anybody you want to give a shout out to for opening? I, I do want to shout out the folks at Black Food Folks, um, Colleen and Clay. You know, they've really um, helped me keep my peace of mind throughout this whole of like ordeal and they were a great sounding board for when I was going viral and I've never done that before (laughs) so (laughs) thank you for being there for me and for kind of always giving me community even though I'm so far away cool um and I want to mention too that uh as we're you know having these great conversations this season with um entrepreneurs that are doing really interesting things during a very interesting time. We're always looking for more people and more stories. So if there's anybody out there that feels like their story is, um, that they want to share their story or that they know someone that that has a great sh- story to share, then please reach out to us. You can DM us at we are opening soon on Instagram. Uh, you can also follow us there and you can follow us at TillNYC. Um, Paula, you've probably got like 18 handles, but how do we, how do people follow you on social? So it's actually the same one, which is funny. I don't know how (laughs) I had the presence of mind back then to just have one handle, but it's at small orchids. You can find me. Don't look me up on TikTok. I'm kind of weird over there. Uh, Don't look at it. But (laughs) if you do, it's okay. But, um, (laughs) but you can find me at Small Orchids, or you can look us up at Bakers Against Racism. Cool. Well, it was amazing having you on the show. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Yeah, so nice to catch up. We miss seeing you in New York. I'm going to see you guys soon. Pop I'm up almost, soon. I'm almost vaxxed, you know, so. Yeah, I'm going to come. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Great to catch up. Congratulations on everything. You guys can order treats from labodega.com, right? What's the website to order? Eatlabodega.com. Yes, thank you for that correction. Um, (laughs) Shipping nationwide. Yeah, order something. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Paolo. Thank you. 
Opening soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.